0: Welcome to Study, Grow, Know, where we discuss theology, prophecy, and current political issues from a conservative biblical perspective. Here's your host, Dr. Fred DeRuvo. The movie Before the Wrath caught my attention because it promised to provide quote-unquote new evidence that would clarify the meaning of scripture with respects to the Lord's ultimate physical return based on what they say are Galilean wedding customs. Well, who wouldn't want that? I spent years studying the end times, eschatology, and I've written a number of books on it as well. I tend to write more about this subject than any other biblical subject, I wrote my doctoral thesis on the book of Revelation. So when I see something new on the scene, I tend to notice it and I want to find out what it's all about. And by the way, this is not me bragging that I think I know everything because I don't know everything. It's simply me saying that I've put the time in to at least do my best to discern what the scriptures say and teach about the times I believe we are now living in, the very end of the end times or the last days. Now, Unfortunately, after I watched the movie, I have to say it falls down here because, to my recollection, it never actually presented the physical evidence to substantiate the claims that were made. It doesn't live up to the hype, in other words. Well, I guess the evidence could have ended up on the cutting room floor, but it should not have, while stating that there is new evidence to show that the Galileans had wedding customs that were different. From all other groups then, aside from discussing it, the people in the movie actually fail to showcase the evidence they say exists to support their claims. So what am I to think? What is anyone to think? Why hasn't the actual evidence, if it exists, why wasn't it presented? Now, I respect J.D. Farrakh, Jan Markel, Jack Hibbs, and Amir Safar- Safadi, what little I've read of his books and articles. This is the first, though, I've heard of Jay McCarl, who is allegedly a cultural anthropologist and author. But if he is a cultural anthropologist, then I would certainly expect him, above all people, to produce the proof that he seems to swear by, and the others have also agreed with regarding the events of the Galilean wedding ceremony highlighted in Before the Wrath. I also have questions for the producer, Brent Miller Jr., who started Ingenuity Films and is credited as the writer of Before the Wrath. Now, if he wrote the script, were the people in the movie simply saying his words or were they allowed to present their own perspectives? Did they offer their opinions? And then from all those opinions, he created a script from that? Brent Miller's father has produced the... Pure word, I guess it's called, a new quote unquote translation of the New Testament that he insists goes back to what the Bible actually says using a special monadic process, whatever that is. The problem is that the pure word is really a paraphrase. Not a translation at all. And by some experts rendering or reckoning, not, not a very good paraphrase at that. Sadly lacking in accuracy, much like the message. Another paraphrase often passed off and accepted as actual translations. Though they're not. These are not translations. They are paraphrases. And I tend to shy away from these so-called translations of the Bible where only one or two people are said to have translated it from the original languages using original manuscripts or copies of original manuscripts and instead of using a committee of actual scholars including archaeologists and expert linguists. Uh, Gary Shogren, Professor of New Testament Seminario ESEPA, San Jose, Costa Rica, provides a great review of this so-called The Pure Word Translation at his blog, Open Our Eyes, Lord and I, include a link in the transcript. Now, the title itself before the wrath is either a bit misleading or possibly purposefully disingenuous i'm i'm not really sure obviously it's going to attract those who believe the rapture occurs before the wrath also known as the pre-wrath rapture view but they'll be disappointed because everyone in the movie believes in the pre-trib rapture rapture i believe i agree that the rapture will occur prior to the tribulation though i want to be clear here it is not a hill to die on and it shouldn't be though they did nothing i don't think in the movie to prove their position i also don't believe that the rapture position itself or whether or not a person actually believes the bible teaches it at all should be a reason why christians argue yet it happens too often There's another site, The Orange Mailman. It's a WordPress site, and he has a detailed review of this movie as well. And it's interesting because it's from a pre-wrath perspective. He makes some cogent points, though, of course, I do not agree with him on his pre-wrath position. Now, I will say that aside from the rapture, I believe the Bible clearly teaches a coming tribulation, seven years, or the final week, quote-unquote, from Daniel nine twenty four to 27. And that will end with the physical return of Jesus, who will judge the nations and then set up his millennial kingdom. Now, after that millennial kingdom of a thousand years, the final great white throne judgment in which all unsaved will be told why they're being sent to the lake of the fire. And that's going to take place then, and then the new heavens, and then the new earth, and then eternity future begins folks, we're in this huge parenthesis from we're we're actually between eternity past and eternity future when all things will come together and finalize according to the Lord's will. So as Christians who have the truth right about eternal life, about salvation, about Jesus, that is our number one job to present that truth to the unsaved and that was one of the points made. In before the wrath movie, so I was glad to hear that. Now, as an aside, I'd like to say this: when I matriculated at what used to be called Philadelphia College of Bible, and then it became Philadelphia Biblical University, and is now Cairn University, so they got rid of the Bible altogether. Marv Rosenthal, at that time, when I was there in the mid to late seventies, was on the board of the directors. At one point just prior, I think, to my graduation, it was announced that he was leaving the board and on good terms. A specific reason was never given. However, it wasn't long afterwards that he left, that he and his friend, um, they produced a, published a book uh, on the pre-wrath rapture position. And I noticed a severe change in his demeanor toward anyone who held to the pre-trib rapture position, often contemptuously denigrating the view he once himself held. He was a bit antagonistic, so it became clear that he left the board because he was no longer a pre-trib rapture person, but was now a pre-wrath rapture person. So instead of there being three main rapture positions, pre, mid, and post, This other one was added to the mix. So now there's four main, I guess you could say, uh, rapture positions. The truth is that only one of them can be correct if there is a rapture at all. But I'll tell you what, arguing over it and demonizing people because of their position, if it isn't yours, is not a good thing to do. And certainly not Christian. And it doesn't move the conversation forward. It does nothing good. But social media... And the way people post all the time has made this commonplace, the argumentation, unfortunately, where people literally spew their positions at other people. And there is really very little actual and honest discourse today. Honestly, there really isn't. Now, along those lines, I think that there is a tremendous amount of eschatological misinformation out there today. And people like the late Harold Camping, have not helped at all. He was a firm believer in the pre-trib rapture position, but in spite of the warnings in Scripture that no one knows the day or time of Christ's return, well, Camping set all that aside. He said he did the math and figured it out. And many of his followers, when he announced the date, quit their jobs and took to the streets with gospel tracts, warning people that time was soon coming. I'm not sure, actually, why they had to quit their jobs to do that, though. But that's what they did. Well, that time came and went with nothing. Camping then admitted that, oh, he got it wrong. He did the math wrong. So he redid it and came up with another date. Well, that one was wrong, of course, too. And I thought it was interesting that shortly after this final failed prediction, he had a stroke and lost his ability to speak. That's interesting. He eventually died, of course. But from what I understand, he did repent to the fact that the date That he was projecting was incorrect, so he 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 basically repented of that whole concept. There, the whole thing he did, and that's a good thing. He did that before he died, but people have grown really tired of all the oh look over there or he's coming at this point or see what's coming from the horizon. They're just tired of it now. Yes, we should live every day as our last, but as I've stated before, I could physically die way before the rapture occurs from any number of things, couldn't I? I shouldn't I should always be prepared to face my Lord in the next life, every day could be my last day on this globe. There's only one thing that separates me from this life and the next, and that's my final breath. I have no idea when I'm going to take it. Do you? Do you have any idea when it'll be your last breath? You have no idea. So we need to live accordingly. I can see why many pastors choose not to preach about end times things, and only 2% do, according to Lifeway Research, because it is controversial, and there are so many differing opinions. However, I really believe that more pastors should step up to preach and teach it, because people need to know. It is part of the Bible with roughly 30% of the Bible dealing with prophetic events. And all those things, that whole 30% category is not just dealing with the timing of Jesus' return. There's so much involved in this. It should be taught. The Bible teaches it. How can we, how can we set 30% of the Bible aside? Because, oh, it's too controversial. Really? Salvation itself is often controversial when you tell people there's only one way to heaven and that's through christ our lord you don't get to the father except through jesus now all of the dissension and argumentation that we're seeing today has become a huge turnoff not only for the average non-christian but for many christians as well who probably tend to think "Well, gee if there are so many different views and the experts can't agree how can how can i know how can anyone really know Brothers and sisters, this is not a valid excuse. It simply isn't. If God included it in his word, then I think we can relatively assume that he wants us to know about it. And there is a truth, not a number of truths. People should study the Bible for themselves and learn what it says. And when disagreements rise, grace should always underscore everything between believers. Now, I realize some of it is difficult to get through, some of the Bible, but what makes it much harder is not allowing the Bible to interpret itself, not allowing it to speak for itself. So in order to do that, the person studying Scripture must be willing to learn about the cultural context and the time period in which specific books of the Bible were written. We have to understand, for instance, the many Jewish idioms that were used in Scripture. If we don't understand those, we're not going to get beyond those. What were those times like? How did people talk? How did they live? How did they interact? What were the customs? It really honestly helps to know that because we are living 2,000 years after Christ. Many, many thousands of years or hundreds of hundreds of years after some of the prophets in the Old Testament. What were those times like? That they wrote their books of the Bible and they ministered to people during those times. What were they like? We need to know that. We need to stop going by how we feel about something we read in Scripture Misinformation exists and continues today because too many people go by feels and then unending arguments ensue based on how people feel about something. So why are so few seemingly interested in getting to the core of what the Bible teaches? Well, I think as the folks to their credit in the movie state, it has to do with the times in which we are living and the general and serious falling away from truth. That the world is experiencing now and has been second thessalonians 2 3 jd farak says this will be come much worse and if we take paul's words at face value yeah it's going to be yeah it will with more people turning away from the truth to have their ears itched the other issue i have with this movie is that while people in the movies speak in general terms about Scripture, and they even sound as though they are quoting portions of the Bible, they tend to take things out of context, pass over certain verses, and continue on with other verses, as if they're right next to each other. They never provide actual references to specific biblical passages. For instance, while one person says, well, in John 14, But the specific verse or verses are not given. And a careful listening will tell viewers that they are actually stating one particular verse and then finishing with a separate verse, making it sound as though it's all one continuous verse, but it's not. And that's not really good by any standard. Now, honestly, it could have been the editing in the movie. I have no clue. But the final product is a bit confusing. Average readers who do not spend time in God's Word... They may not recognize this, unfortunately, and I really expect better from these folks who are considered to be experts in Bible prophecy. But again, were their words written by Brent Miller Jr., and they couldn't really deviate from that script he presented, or was it simply editing it that way? I don't know. Really don't know. The acting And the cinematography of the movie is very well done. Kudos there. The music, the narration by Kevin Sorbo, all good. The problems are what I've noted above. I think they could have done it better and been much more specific, and I think it would have been really good to actually present the physical evidence that the premise of this movie actually rests on. They didn't do that. So I give the movie a score of three out of five, and I think that's being really generous. Well, thank you for joining me uh, today. I really appreciate it. And I've got, by the way, uh, a, a series coming up on Daniel 7. I think it's 19 or 20 parts. It's quite in-depth, so that's going to be coming up. I'll be recording those over over time, uh, and you'll want to look out for those. But thanks so much for joining me, and I pray until we meet again that God opens your eyes to show you how blessed you are in Him. You've been listening to Study, Grow, Know with Dr. Fred DeRuvo, Please join us each week for new broadcasts that deal with theology, prophecy, and political issues from a biblical, conservative perspective.